Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, and welcome to Rock the Next Stage with Dory Staley. I'm Dory, and I am a mentor for serious musicians and singers. Today, we'll be providing you with 30 minutes of tips, musings, and motivation for the music community. community. <laughs> what the community depends on who's listening. <laughs> In any event, I have a good friend here with me. Back by popular demand, William Simkis. He is a music teacher extraordinaire, as I like to describe him. He plays so many instruments, I can't even keep track. But he's also a great singer-songwriter, and most people don't realize that this guy has written over 300 tunes. So that's quite a catalog. One of his specialties is helping people craft better tunes and arrangements so that everything flows better, sounds better, is more attractive to the, to the ear and helps them get further along in their career or just for their own personal edification. William is known as the Chord Whisperer, and he'll tell you about that in a minute. He instinctively knows what chords to use in different tunes and how to position them so that it will enhance person's songwriting and arranging. So, William, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry you're a little under the weather here in the Raleigh NC area. Are you there? I am there, hay fever notwithstanding. Oh, there we go. <laughs> brass pollen season. Yes, for those of you who don't know, it's very beautiful here in the south in the spring because everything blooms. We've got all kinds of beautiful flowers popping up all over the place. But with that comes the unfortunate spray of pollen on everything. So those people who are susceptible, it makes it for a very interesting time for singers, speakers, and anyone else. But we're going to try to muddle through here. So, William, you have written so many tunes, it's not even. And all different genres, I believe. Uh, Can you give us an idea of what's your specialty? Uh, I was one of those people who grew up liking everything and so have written a bit of everything. But I found that when I wasn't playing more of the kind of eclectic progressive rock, that I wasn't nearly as happy as everything else. So my roots kind of go back to um, really complexly written uh, but very melodic progressive rock uh, in the, the genre of uh, a band like Yes or a Swedish group called the Flower Kings. Um, that is, a fad, but I, I, I do some pseudo-classical, I do uh, folk and country, uh, you know, some jazzy things to say the least, a lot of that actually, uh, jazzy rock. But what I really, really care for is the more of the um, progressive rock creativity that has the classical rock in it. Um, more elements than just the simple, but it's it's everything. It's what whatever the customer wants, whatever the audience wants and needs. Gotcha. Yeah, you've written some pretty interesting tunes along the way. You and I have gotten together for numerous reasons, whether it's just to jam or we also compare back and forth if we are working with someone together or if we want uh, another opinion. For example, I do a lot of grooming of talent, mostly young singers and and young bands, but also Christian artists. And every once in a while, I will get older artists as well. And they'll send me a clip to their tunes, and I'll go, mm, boy, 
<laughs> that there's there's definitely some potential there, but somewhere along the way, they just didn't either didn't learn about songwriting and music theory, or they just they just aren't listening enough to their genre to know what's out there and what makes for a very uh, attractive tune. Now, I can tell in the first thirty seconds, and I talked about this with. Uh, a guy out in Long Island with Talent Army there. It's another podcast you guys need to look up. And we were talking about that, how, you know, you've got to hook people in. So can you speak to that at all? What kind of things do you you look for? What do you think people need to to know about to make a song more interesting? Something has to be there that is alive and in a, some sense, unique, something hooky, something catchy, whether it's a clever rhythm, um, a really infectious melody, a particular change of chords, something that shows spark and life and creativity. Sometimes you can craft a song, and at the end you can, you can say, okay, it's complete, it's there, it doesn't do a thing for me, but technically it's it's fine. And then once in a while, you'll come across something that's really simple, but it's just alive. It jumps off the page. That's what you're looking for. You can take something that's simple, no matter how simple, and you can then arrange it in a way to bring out its best qualities, whether that's a real simple folk uh, idiom, whether that's a country or modern country where the chords are more standard and, 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 and more typical, uh, more expected and, and therefore comfortable to the audience that likes that. Uh, you can start arranging it in a way that brings out um, other features. Um, we've all known uh, people, uh, you know, uh, the last four measures of Amazing Grace. There should be G, D, G, and G, and people play them E minor, D, C, and G, and all kinds of variations because that's what we do. We like it. We get used to it. Um, it is uh, it is uh, famous in the keyboard tradition to take the last um, – the last verse of a church hymn and play tremendous variations on it, often um, in the moment, uh, making it up as they go along. Those people have skills that are just, you know, honed way beyond the norm. On the other end, what I hear a lot in society is the same chords, the same progressions, no inspiration, nothing Mm -hmm. clever, stuff I've heard before. And because I'm older now, stuff I've heard before, for 40 to 50 years. And it may be interesting to the person who wrote it, but almost nobody else. And that's kind of sad. Gotcha. Yeah, I do hear that a lot. I'll either hear people who are trying to take what sounds like a poem and set it to music, or there are elements of another tune, like almost exactly. And you're thinking, mm, did you not know that that's exactly the chord progression of something else? And I'll, I'll explain this the song in case you haven't heard it. Look it up. Hearing some beeping in the background there. I hope that's not on somebody else's line. If that's the caller, <laughs> just giving you the, the heads up. So, William, can you ex- explain to us the process, the types of things? Do, how do you start out? Well, it depends. Um, uh, uh, we, um, a melody, if you've got a melody going, lyrics, melody set with it, then the chords simply uh, back up 
that melody in some coherent and, and satisfying fashion. But those chords have more than one note in them. That's chords three or more. And um, other chords have uh, two or more of those three-plus notes in them. And if you're careful about it, you can substitute the one for the other the end of Amazing Grace, et cetera. Um, and, and that's where it gets fun because you can build some really wild arrangements um, without changing the melody whatsoever. And, and that's fun. It has to be appropriate to the song. If you want to go nuts just for the sake of it, do it. You can have a wild time. But people might scratch their heads and not come back to hear you the second show. <laughs> um, um, what was sometimes that? <laughs> things, sometimes we do things where you've got um, some really nice progressions, but it just seems a bit blocky, a bit, a bit standard, a bit so heard it too way too many times, done too many songs like that. Well, you can add in the passing chord. If you go from a C to an A minor, very often in the middle, people will play what's called a G with a B in the bass, G slash B. And that's the chord progression in landslide. Yes, she's capoed in the third fret, so it's E flat, but in effect, we're playing a C chord to a G with a B in the bass and an A minor back to the G with a B in the bass. And it's so smooth and so beautiful that everybody loves that song. It's an incredibly simple song. If you were to play that C, G, A minor, G, C, G, A minor, G, the song is boring. It just lacks all charm. If you play just C and A minor, Stand By Me, C and A minor, the song is boring. But if you add mm-hmm. that, it, 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 when you add in uh, sevenths to, to a chord, when you add in passing chords like that G with the B in the bass, it softens the song and makes it more, um, makes it more uh, palatable, makes it more acceptable. It just kind of gets in your system. It takes away the hard, the sharp, the harsh, blocky edges. Um, I love rock. I love power chords, the big poundy power chords you have in Owner of the Lonely Heart or The End of Stay to Heaven or With Your Best Shot. Power chords are rock's best friend, and they are amazing. But once you've heard them... <laughs> you know, you have heard them before, and they're nothing but the hard edges. It's simply a root and a fifth. They used to call it. Uh, they used to, used to call it like an E no third, an E five. Now, just just E and B, E and B all the time, and it, they sound great. But boy, they haven't changed in forty years. And I I I think most of of metal, uh, every chord progression boils down to two chord progressions. And I've heard those before. So I'm looking for something that's new in the song, in the melody, in the lyrics. That's really clever. And often the guitar solos are absolutely astonishing and amazing. But the songs themselves are just so, so much like each other that I, me personally, I lose interest. That's not my genre as much. Nothing grabs me there. Now, I, I have to admit, I grew up liking my parents' swing band music. So I like the fancier chords. That's my taste. I will go towards the more complex harmonies, the more complex chord changes. I happen to like that but um that stuff's get, you know getting close to 100 years old now <laughs> you know, it's 1949 well, you know, it's, 1945 it's funny because as you know but the listeners may not if back in the day i did hundreds of teen band nights every month uh between one and three shows featuring between three and eight bands and it was always funny when they all entered into what i called 
the drop D phase. You know, they all they all discovered <laughs> drop D, and so now all of a sudden all their songs are like, well, this is so cool. It's like, uh, yeah, now everybody's doing the same thing, and they all sound the same. Can we move? It? Can we move into something a little bit different? Getting a little depressing there with that, but it's it's funny. Everybody, <laughs> no matter what age you are or phase you are, you, you, you get attached to something, and. It's interesting how sometimes they stay there and other times they realize there really is life beyond Drop D, guys, you know? <laughs> Funny. Very definitely. Very definitely. So it's it, just a matter of, of your taste. Um, uh, when, when you have um, uh, chords, sometimes the, the what I mean by the blocky, too simplistic chords, if you drink water all the time, sometimes you just get tired of tasting just water. It's kind of dull, it's flat, it's blunt, it's heavy in your stomach. It needs some gentling and some smoothing to make it more palatable. So if you just add a little extra note in there, um, a seventh sometimes is typical, an add nine, then all of a sudden you've got a chord. There's a little color. There's a little more texture in there, and it just can spark up a, um, a, a melody. <laughs> Listen to the first chord in um, the song Beauty and the Beast, where they do that first mm-hmm. chord change. Um, those chords, it's a G chord with an A in it, so G add nine, and, and it's beautiful, and, 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 and it just makes the song more interesting, more colorful, because it's not as often that, that you hear it, mm-hmm. so you can do that. You can also do what they call inversions of chords with the G, with the B, and the bass, etc., and you can use those as color. You can use them to disguise where the chords are sometimes so don't sound like you're going from this chord to this chord and back and forth and back and forth if you do an f and then a g minor seven and then an f with an a in the bass and then a g minor seven it it, it's it sounds a whole lot different than going f g minor f g minor which gets very old sounding very very quickly and and you can make it sound smoother and more interesting more palatable that way um and you can kind of disguise with it where the bass note is i do that a lot actually i've got one uh setting of a song where at the end of the song i sing two notes i just sing um what's the uh it's um I think it's just you wouldn't happen to have your guitar right there, which is no, I don't. You wouldn't demo very well. Uh, Like a G F G G F G and then G F G. Well, on that G note, I use four different chords at uh, uh, all four times. Um, First Uh chord, an in between chord, a second chord, second chord, in between chord, third chord, third chord, in between chord, fourth chord, and the progression is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and everybody goes, wow, that's beautiful. What'd you do? I said, I, I just got clever one day, and it and it really makes the end of the song. And all the only two notes you're singing, and so you can do things that way. I've got one song where I I wound up uh, writing it for a dear friend of mine, a really nice melody uh, on lead guitar, and I realized the chords behind it were really pretty pretty simple, uh, and they work. But what course then I began to arrange it. So I had a B flat and then a C and then a B flat with a D in the bass and, a B, and then the C with the E in the bass. So your bass line is beginning moving up scale-wise. Yes, I'm a bass player, and bass players like McCartney, we think in terms of scales. I don't know why, but we do that. We think <laughs> in terms of scales. 
Um, and so you can take songs and rearrange them. That scale is very powerful emotionally. It really, um, a descending scale or an ascending scale, just for a few notes is fine. Those can be really, uh, really powerful and really build the emotion of a song towards, towards the chord where you want to go. So yeah, you can always have fun like that. Cool. And that's why, folks who are listening at home, uh, I've heard many people comment, and I've also witnessed it too, about how you, you bend chords and you blend them together and create something really unique. I remember sitting in your studio once. For those of you who don't know, I play percussion mainly, uh, Latin percussion, bongos, congas, uh, also African drums and things like that. But way back when I started out, when I was a kid, on guitar. So, yeah, I do find this all interesting. And, William, you pulled out a guitar, and you were, I can't remember what, play, what tune you were playing. Might have been a new young tune, not sure. And you were showing me how you can make a six-string sound like a 12-string. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. You just added so many extra notes to it. It was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like chords. I just, I've always had a great love for chords, and uh, it's, it's delightful to, uh, to mess with, and, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's almost part of like almost a wizardry where you, where you, uh, are just kind of feel like you're, you know, peeking under the covers of, uh, of the secrets of the universe. I mean, I really, I have a just absolute <laughs> delight in, in the whole thing, and, and it's like, look what I discovered, and you can, you can lose hours just, uh, and I have at times. It's uh, my version of a video game, I guess, because I get lost in these things and, and absolutely love it. And I come out the other end and people say, well, is there money involved in this? Well, yes, there's satisfaction galore. And occasionally a dollar here and there. But it can literally make a song like nothing else does. Um, one of the things this came from was uh, I happened to go to a um, – uh, a junior college in uh, in Los Angeles, and um, it's called El Camino College, and I believe it's still considered the number one junior college in the nation, largely because they did their funding so correctly that they don't have any bonded debt, so they paid better at the senior college than UCLA or USC. I had doctorates for almost every class I went to, almost every class of doctorate. Um, and in our theory class, I hear lots of banging hey, going on. That's not the percussion. Yeah. That's not the percussion steps. Um, no, I am not doing in, anything. So let me just interrupt for one second. If there is, I have muted a caller, but if there's anybody else in the background who's, who's doing dishes or coughing, I'm hearing a lot of background noise here, and I'm not sure where yes. it's coming from. So my, my yeah. apologies. Do do it more in a rhythm so we can sing with it. Exactly. Um, but um, they, uh, they they uh, they they taught us extremely well. Very good, very good teachers. And um, um, I, I think I gleaned everything possible. One of the things we had in that class, which is also an element of comedy, is you don't want to do something three times in a row. Rock guitarists, I love rock, and, and rock guitarists are great. They discover a new chord, and they'll play the chord up and down the neck in sequence, which is really clever unless you're not a rock guitarist. And then everybody else kind of goes, you know, that's kind of dull. <laughs> you're entertaining yourself, and it's not that musical. It's the same thing again and again and again. 
And um, so you have to then learn um, new tricks to make it sound more smooth. You can do anything the rule is, and it's really true. You can do anything three times in a row, but that fourth time sounds very samey and ruins the whole effect. Now, that is a classic thing in comedy, apparently. And um, you can, you can do, do three jokes on one topic, and then you had best change the topic because no matter how funny your fourth joke is, you've done three of them before. And if you follow that rule, <laughs> you can make some clever things happen and go right back to it afterwards and make your song tied together. I've got a guitar solo that I could play through at some point in time that, that shows that off and how I, how I constructed that. I had one simple idea that was very, very flashy, but I couldn't do it for the entire um, intro part. And so what I did is I broke it in the middle with something a little different but related, and then I came back to it, and it sounds wonderfully unified and very creative, and it is one, it's one trick. It's one trick with a slight variation, yeah. and it works real, real well. Um, there are things like uh, that I got from my theory class, like you can have the bass notes of the chords going someplace interesting. That's where I got my bass line, my melodic bass line, listening to Paul McCartney and then using the ideas in the theory class of having the bass lines go someplace with your chords. They don't have to be fancy, but they can add so much melody to what you're doing that makes the chord progressions more interesting. Well, similarly, if you listen to what's on top of the chord, they call that voice leading, what's on top of the chord, you can make nice, smooth chord progressions, which most guitarists never think of doing. And if you do it, sometimes this E minor here is better sounding than that E minor there. And if you find the right ones, oftentimes you can't. If you find the right ones, it can really make the song um, sparkle. I had one song that I wrote as, a, as an E minor seven, to an uh, E minor nine, to an, e, to an A minor seven, and I played it in the normal open string chord version, and it works fine, but it wasn't that spectacular. I tried it a couple other places, and all of a sudden, when I found where it was supposed to be, the song completely opened up, and an arrangement tumbled out of it that was perfect just by trying something a little different. And yeah, you got to learn your bar chords, and yeah, there's a couple of jazz chords that are helpful once in a while. But but it it makes completely makes the song, and that's why you do it. See, guitar guitar players are really spoiled. Um, to be half decent, bad at piano, you got to work for several years. But guitar is really easy entry. I don't want to spill the beans here and let the secret out. But guitar is really easy entry. <laughs> the chords themselves are easy to play. Picking's not bad. Strumming is dead simple. What's hard at first is simply being able to change chords smoothly. Our brains don't like it. It takes a few months. But then it sounds so good that most people don't go beyond the absolute basics because most things on the radio are the absolute basics, and they sound fabulous. But then when it gets to classical, nobody knows how. When it gets to jazz, nobody knows how. You put sheet music in front of them, they have no clue what to do. They don't know what the names of the chords are. They don't know how to play these things. Um, some of the chords I've never heard of before, and a piano player will know these. Billy Joel will use them. You know, but guitarists don't think in those terms and most things don't require them. So they never bother to study uh, and any further. And in the end, they're trapped in their own skills. The, the bands that do well get about four albums and four years of stardom. Those that last longer have had more music education. They've studied. So actually, well, this chords, chords can be life-saving, can be career-saving. How about that? Awesome. 
Well, now, that's a great segue for those of you out there who are also teaching music to, to music students. That, William, must be really, really satisfying when you can explain to a student, okay, that's great, playing that specific chord progression, but let's see what happens when we do this. So then you introduce something a little bit more complicated. I bet you their eyes just bug out. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's fun because they have to work hard because it'll be a new chord. I had somebody today, actually, um, a, a friend, actually, uh, when they heard I was doing the show, they said, hey, what what could I use in this one song I wrote in place of an F-sharp augmented, an F-sharp uh, diminished? And I went, uh, well, you can <laughs> You could use a D7. You could use an A minor. You could. They're, 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 they're more, but it was fun because it was like an automatic response. What do you do with this? You know, and and if you know mm-hmm. how to do it, just all kinds of possibilities open up, which are which are uh, which fun, and it's kind of endless. Um, if you have the interest, you can just do endless uh, possibilities of things. Um, exactly. As so long I, as you I've got that knowledge. I've really got to credit my um, my college teachers. They were very, very helpful. I learned theory from a, uh, a fellow named Jeff Linsky, who's now a tremendous jazz guitarist, and he taught me basic mm-hmm. theory when I was a bass guitar player, and I ate it up uh, tremendously back then. I wish I'd learned a lot more from him at the time, and I wish I'd taken a composition class because I would have used all that as well. But what is really fun is if you simply keep learning the songs that others write, um, whether it's classical or jazz or Broadway, rock, you know, Disney animation musicals, uh, sometimes you come across a chord progression or a chord change and you just say, oh, oh, that's gorgeous, that's different, I'm stealing, that's a good trick, I'm stealing that, that would work really well in this song. Then they get inside of you and then you're writing something new and they simply tumble out one time. I was... Um, setting some music for a friend um, in a song eventually that did, did not get used. I'm quite proud of it, but it didn't get used. Um, and then I realized the bridge section, which is very unique, has the same chord progression in the middle as the middle section of Paul McCartney's um, Maybe I'm Amazed. And if you uh-huh. listen to them, you wouldn't notice it because the melodies are completely different and the, the chords mm-hmm. are not there to be featured. The chords are there to support. So when the melody is different, you don't always notice because the melody is completely compelling um, and, uh, and you don't notice what the chords are behind them. And, 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 but, you know, but those things that you've learned from others um, can wind up infecting you and they simply kind of come out of your pores without you consciously saying, okay, I'm going to use this trick or that trick. They become a part of who you are. If you want to learn some really great chord progressions to clever writing, Alan Menken of uh, the Disney movies uh, 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 is oh, yeah. an absolute master in, in, in his writing. I'm always um, playing his tunes on piano for, for voice students, and I'm always going, oh, oh, I like that chord progression. Oh, I'm stealing that. <laughs> so you, you, can, <laughs> you can pick up things. I've found that mostly in classical, uh, what you're picking up is orchestration, the colors of how they add the interest in behind the arranging. But if you want chords, look to the jazzy things in Broadway and the, and the uh, jazzy things that have affected the animation movies, uh, which I call musicals as well. Your Little Mermaids, your Anastasias, your um, Swan Princess and stuff like that. They have great music in them. Uh, the John Williams in the Star Wars and the, uh, the great soundtracks of, of, uh, uh, of the, uh, the James, uh, James Horner and um, people like that. You, you, can, you can pick up some really great effects from things there. And occasionally those things can really spark a song. 
Yeah, I think most people don't realize that there's so many possibilities out there that you don't have to stick with the standard basic stuff. And when you were talking about switching things in a tune, I had a, a previous guest, Tim Curran. Actually, he's the worship pastor at uh, my church, New Horizons in Apex, and I play in their band a couple of times a month. And he is also really good at switching things up. If, if we're playing a tune and he'll say, hmm, that doesn't sound right, let's change that. And he'll just put in a different chord on the spot or do a slightly different arrangement or something like that because it just either worked better or he liked the way it sounded. And it's just amazing when you, you have those skills and that you can do that quickly. And, and it, as you mentioned, it takes a while to get to that point. Yeah, I've I've been that uh, I've been that worship leader and that uh, that band person who is changing chords on the fly, and my people pretty much got used to it, and they knew I would be merciful and how to <laughs> the difficult level. <laughs> they get really used to having a pen a pencil handy to uh, make make uh, make changes on, on on the page. Now, one one <laughs> thing that's important too that I have to watch out for is. I like chords so much that even though my strong suit is my singing, I like chords so much that I will often make the melodic of my chord changes so strong that if I want to put a melody to it, I kind of have to shoehorn it in. I have to kind of work it so carefully, and then the chord progression outshines the melody. And, and now you've got an instrumental. Drop the melody. Just play the chords and let somebody else play a solo over top because you kind of so you have to watch out you you can get too involved in the chords and wind up with a lovely chord progression that has so strong that you've got no room for a second melody because it will simply feel like a secondary melody um, <laughs> don't do that to yourself they're in life madness gotcha okay William we're, we're just about out of time believe it or not you and I can talk for for ages here but <laughs> trying to keep to the half an hour so can you think of a final uh, tip or something to leave our listeners with a parting thought? If your song sounds too familiar, add some color, whether it's an inversion of a chord or an extra note in the chord it's just like adding a little makeup, a little dab of paint on the wall, a little fresh color, a picture. If you can hear your song that sounds too much like something else, think of changing a chord in the arrangement, either um, an A minor in place of the C or vice versa, and just spark it up. You'll be amazed at how much of a difference it can make with one simple chord change or one little extra note involved. Very cool. Awesome. Well, William, thanks so much for, for jumping in. Again, I know you're a little bit under the weather, so I really appreciate all the, all the tips, and I hope that people were taking notes. However, if they need some additional assistance or you would like to get in contact with William, you can email him at william.simkiss, that's S is in Sam, I am as in Mary, kiss, at gmail.com, or you can go to the website of the studio where he teaches. It's www.joyfulsoundsacademy.com. Now, that is based in Fuquay, NC. However, William, I bet you can do songwriting and different things long distance, right? You've done it before. Yes, and I, yes. Yes, and I have. Good, good, good. Good to know. 
As for me, you can find me at rockthenextstage.com or you can shoot me an email, dory, D-O-R-I, at rockthenextstage.com. I always offer a 30-minute free strategy session via phone, Skype, Zoom, or whatever floats your boat. If you need some more assistance. So, folks, I hope you gained a lot of great tips this afternoon. We'll be back again next Wednesday at 1 o'clock Eastern. And uh, again, thanks so much, William. We've known each other for a long, long time, so it's always great getting you to come on and share your wisdom. All right. Thank you so much. Sure thing. Till next time, folks, keep on rocking.